I'm Nick Nucci, joined by Will Miles. Welcome to Stand Up and Holler. On this week's episode for two bits, we'll cover woo! for four bits, woo! six bits. Woo! What are we covering for a dollar, Will? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I'm going to guess we got we got some pretty good news this week. But there's a little bit of bad, so we'll cover both because that's how we are. That's how we roll, whoa, man. Whoa, can't whoa, can't whoa, ignore whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get the hell out of here with that stuff. There's other shows for that stuff. There's other shows for that stuff. This is not the show, and I'll give the appropriate woo for the dollar as well because it deserved it after the weekend we just had. I know Austin Simmons had it. We can talk about that another time. It's too good right now. It's too good. Let's enjoy the moment right now. Let's enjoy this moment. We have right off the bat, Will, uh, it was it was just a hell of a weekend. It seems like the Billy Napier era. This feels like the start of it right here. This is the image that we had in our minds of what this program could become under Billy Napier. This could be the start of something special. You put together a stretch like this on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, look, it, you you start looking at the recruits that he's got in the fold at this point, and this is starting to look like a real good 2024 recruiting class. Now, obviously, um, you know, you want to stack guys, and he's done that at linebacker. Linebacker position oh, at Florida should be a place of strength in the very near future. And you think about, you know, edge rushers, edge rusher, safety, defensive line, those should be areas of strength in the near future. Now, look, he's got to keep going, right? I mean, like this 2024 can be a blip like Texas A&M where they had that really good class two years ago and then all of a sudden you know back to sort of normal or this can be a building block and that's going to be the question is can he continue this all the way through until august because i told you know last week we had an episode where you were sitting here moping about recruits and i told you look one guy defected to georgia not a huge deal let's see where we stand three months from now. And I, I'm going to say the same thing. Like everybody should be really, really happy with what they see. They should be excited about the guys who are coming in, but I'm not ready to call this the start of the Napier era, the start of something building hit me with that in September when you're sitting there with a player rating average of 93 and a half or 94 and you, and you're staring at a top three class, not because you're hoping you hit a top three class, but because there's almost no way you can screw it up when September comes around and not end up with a top three class. And and we'll know, we will know in like September 1st when they're kicking off actually before September 1st, when they're kicking off against Utah, we're going to know exactly where this stands. Now, the good news is there's already 16 guys in the fold. So there's not a whole lot of movement that the, that this class is going to have 24 seven has the number three class overall at this point. So there there's, there's a lot of good obviously for 2024, um, but we still have the 2023 season to play. And obviously we've seen that uh, not every commit sticks. And so there's still work to be done. Absolutely. In the era of NIL, if you don't expect some flips to occur, I people up the prices as, as the cycle gets deeper. So some flips could occur. But again, it's it's not often when you get the verbal from some of these guys, it, it, more often than not, you're going to keep most of them. More often than not, you're going to keep most of them. And this is momentum here. This is putting it all together at one time, Will. I, I know I've been personally a little disappointed the first few weeks here. Of, we've had these big back-to-back -back recruiting weekends in June, back-to-back-to-back, -back -back really. And it's like, where, where are the commit? Are, are we going to get a few? Are we going to get a few following? Then finally we get some trickling in. But the way it went this weekend, and you had the Austin Simmons news uh, on Saturday morning or like early Saturday, and then you kind of picked up uh, – you, you picked up as the week went along or as, as the day went along and it was just one after the other, after the other. And honestly, 
I don't know if you have if we can expect weekends like this very often. I think this is a special weekend that's going to be remembered for a long time. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's one of those things where if you follow recruiting and you follow recruiting closely and you know how important it is, you know that this was a critical weekend for Florida, that getting guys like Jamonte Waller today, getting guys like Aaron Childs, getting guys like Amir Jackson, Amaris Williams, Nasir Johnson, like these are guys who are going to be the backbone of what Florida's building in, in the next few years. Now, at the same time, like, Look, there's there's still work to be done. But, I mean, look, if you look at where they were at June 25th last year, zero five stars, four four stars, four three stars, only two players in the top 300 and an 88.9 overall class uh, rating. You look at where they are right now, <laughs> and they're two five stars, nine four stars, four three stars, nine top 300 players, 92.6 overall rating. And you, and you consider that last year they were at 88.9 at this point, and they finished at 92.0. So that's sort of what I'm talking about in terms of June not necessarily being the time that you ring the bell and say, oh, my God, we need to panic. Like Florida's class went up almost three, three and a half points in rating. But that also means they have an opportunity to still push it right now, right? And so at 92.6, you get guys like Jeremiah Smith, the wide receiver from Ohio State to flip. Get a guy like Colin Simmons, who was on who was on campus, the number six ranked overall player at the edge position. And you and you start combining him with the guys you already have, right? Jamonte Waller is a five-star in 24-7. He's a four-star in 24-7's composite, which has all the different, all the different ratings added in which means you're starting to stack guys. And we talked about this last week with Mike Williams, the offensive tackle. He's ranked 1357 overall. He's a he's a good pickup, but the question of how the class is going to look is who's in front of Mike Williams at offensive tackle. Well, now you've got Marcus Maskell, the three-star at 669. And if they can bring in a guy at, say, 40th to 60th, somewhere in there when it comes to offensive linemen. Well, now all of a sudden you stack three offensive linemen who can be tackles. You stack three linebackers who could, you know, who can play inside and outside. You you stacked two or three defensive linemen. And now that's what recruiting is about. It's about stacking guys, which is actually the reason I'm disappointed about Simmons. It's not necessarily Simmons specifically. It's that that was stacking the quarterback position where you said, look, we may, we may not know whether Austin Simmons or DJ Lagway is going to be the guy who carries Florida, but we've stacked guys to where we know one of them will be. And I think that's the exciting part about this entire class. Is you're starting to see those guys stack. And so I'm not worried about linebacker at Florida in the future. And the crazy part is, is that I'm not sure we've had a real good linebacker since like Jared Davis there at middle linebacker well, we had David Reese, well, yeah, I mean David Reese was good out there but he also had some limitations right are we going to be able to find a guy out of Miles Graham Darius Hayes and Aaron Childs are we going to be able to find a guy who doesn't have those limits and you combine them with Shamar James and all of a sudden now you're talking about a linebacking core that is no longer a place where we go oh god if we get one injury how are we going to hide somebody or who do we need to bring in through the transfer portal to fix this don't have to do that anymore now it's going to be okay you know, Graham went down. Well, Hayes is right behind him, and we'll see what he can do. And maybe he's gonna, maybe he's gonna make it to where you know Graham can't get on the field anymore because because he's gonna come in and play so well. And to have that problem and have that problem coming is sort of the same thing they did with the wide receivers this past year, right? Where they stacked Eugene Wilson and and Aiden Mizell and and Andy Jean. All three of those guys probably aren't going to work out. I hope they do, but all three of them probably won't work out. But the fact that you stacked those three in one class means that at least one of them is going to work out, which means now you've got a star on the outside at wide receiver that you're going to be able to combine with the different guys that you're bringing in. So a very, very positive weekend for Florida. 
you know, I don't want to poo-poo it because, you know, we, we obviously are critical when nobody signs and or when nobody commits. And so when you get this level of commitment and this level of talent coming in, um, I think we need to highlight it. At the same time, there's still time. And if you're going to say don't panic when things are going poorly on June 17th, then you should say don't get too excited when things are going well on June 19th. There's still some time. No, but can you get excited after the best recruiting stretch we've had in, in maybe since Urban Meyer left this school? Can you get a I mean, little excited for that? I mean, I'm not going to tell a people how to feel. I'm not going to tell people how to feel. But I mean, you know, you were yeah, you were you, you were about to walk off the plank last week when when Chauncey Bowen. You still went to are missed, You still missed my point. I can't go back and watch <laughs> two bits if anybody wants to watch it last week. You're still missing the point I was trying to make. But we can. No, I think your point is poor. I, I think your point is wrong. No, my point. My point. Again, my point was about Georgia coming into the state of Florida and taking guys from Florida in general. Yeah, yeah and that I, was the point last week. Right. But you kept and making say- it about this bigger conversation about the whole class, and right. it's about one guy. It was about one guy, and it's a trend that Georgia's coming no, no, down no. here. See, you can't say both things. You can't say it's about one guy and it's a trend. A trend is necessarily a bigger a tre- picture. Hold on. A trend, one guy that is representative of the trend itself. That, yeah, that I was talking- and I'm saying. And I'm saying, I'm saying, what this, am I saying? Right? That's awful. No, I'm saying the exact, so I'm saying the exact same thing here is I'm saying this is an awesome weekend, but right. this awesome weekend only matters if you finish it off, which is the same thing with Chauncey Bones. Chauncey Bones only matters if you don't replace him and get better players to fill that spot. And the idea that he's a trend, that narrative exists if you don't do the stuff on the back end. And the narrative that Billy Napier is an awesome recruiter will continue if he finishes this off. And if it sort of peters off and this is the only weekend we have that's really like this and and he's not able to finish off this class, well, then this weekend doesn't really matter that much. I mean, it matters from the standpoint of you're going to have some good players on the roster, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Now, I think there's a lot of metrics that suggest that things are moving in the right direction. But I don't think you can make any broad classifications and, and broad statements about it. I think it's sort of the same thing with Bones last week. Like, I don't think that's a good thing. I think you'd much rather have Chauncey Bones in, in the fold, just like I think you'd much rather have Austin Simmons in the fold. But you don't know how to evaluate it until you look at the overall class. And that's the point is don't get too high. Don't get too low. Recruiting is a roller coaster because you've got 17 and 18 year old kids deciding where to go. So don't try to make big picture generalizations. Look at the player, say this specific player is good for this system because of this, this, and this, or that kid flipped because of this, this, and this. But at the end of the day, it's an amalgam of all the players that you have in the class that really make you, that really you should be evaluating. So one guy doesn't make or break the class, but you know, obviously there are recruits who are better than others. And I think Florida's getting a lot more of those guys right now. We've seen Billy come in and do some things that have not been done in, in a while. Some even look at the IMG kids, right? Getting IMG kids to come here. One of the things Florida has been left out of in the last decade, we know these top players want to play with each other. We know that they go to these camps, they talk to each other. Even you see at the Elite 11 camp last week, Lagway's throwing balls to Jeremiah Smith. Smith's there as a receiver, serving as a receiver for uh, the weekend. So, these guys are interacting all the time, even if they live close to each other or if they live in multiple states away, they're still interacting a lot. So these top guys, they, they go, they've been in the mix with Ohio State. They've been in the mix with Georgia and Alabama a couple of years ago, AM. Florida has not gotten itself into that mix. This seems to be an indication that we're finally getting into that, that elite territory a little bit and into that club because you, you talk about the stacking, Will. This is not something that has been seen here since Urban Meyer left campus. 
this well, type you, of weekend. Well, and you can see, well, not just this type of weekend, but this type of class. And, and that's yeah. where, that's where I do think we can start to make some generalizations about the class now that we're getting to 15, 16 guys, which is that if you look at, so I tend to divide things up a little bit differently than most people. I divide it up into one to 60 and I call that zone one. Cause those are the guys who tend to be the guys who, who, who get to the draft more often than 60 plus once you get to 60 60 to 200 those guys all about go the same percentage and then when you go 201 to, to 600 those guys all go about the same percentage so if you just look at that zone one zero to 60 florida's got four guys in the fold obviously the two five stars but they've got four guys in the fold in that top 60 2016 jim McElwain had four for his entire class must champ had four for his entire class in 2013 meyer had four for his entire class in 2006 must champ had five first class in 2012 and then meyer had 10 in 2007 so that's where the differentiation starts to occur is 2000 this this looks a lot like a meyer 2006 class it doesn't look like a Meyer 2007, 2008, or 2009 class. Those classes were just awesome in terms of the amount of talent that they had. But you think about where Napier has been. I mean, in, in 2000 and in, in 2021, he or 2022, he only had one zone one guy. And, you know, that was one of those where you go, like, is that better than McIlwain? Is that better than Mullen? Like, it, it really didn't look that much in his transition class. His bump class was definitely better, especially on an average player rating, and now even more so. And if you start looking at it, so I try to calculate, like, the number of guys that you expect to be drafted out of a class. And right now, and if you do that on a per player, right, so it's a 15-player class, and you start ranking it, Urban Meyer in 2006, he was at .24 players. Um, drafts per draft per player signed. He was at 0.27 in 2007. Billy Napier's at 0.24 right now in terms of what I would expect. So he's right in there at the bottom end of that Napier or of that Urban Meyer recruiting. But again, you got to get to the bottom end before you can get to the top end, unless you're just going to have a giant jump. So this is a big deal. And I, you know, I don't want to come off as I'm just like, oh, don't get excited. I think people should be excited at the same time. You got you got to realize that there's going to be some roller coaster rides from here until September, and so when one of these guys flips, don't freak out. When a new guy comes in, you know if, if Jeremiah Smith commits, now I might freak out for Jeremiah Smith because that's probably a pretty big deal. But you know th there are some there are some things that we want to see along the way. But as of right now, he's set a great foundation for this class. Just right, finish it off. Right, right. Better now than sitting here and waiting until July. Like we were going into July hoping to see some of this type of stuff last year and it didn't quite unfold the way we wanted it to. And this looks like a great start, a great start toward that, uh, toward that goal there in September. Will. all right. So I know Saturday was really the highlight that got the ball rolling, but uh, last weekend or last week really started with Wednesday. I commit from Noel. I'm going to give this name my best shot here. Uh, <laughs> Pontrigan. He's a, he's a guard, six foot five, three hundred and thirty four pounds. Uh, another big offense alignment here. The staff loves the size there. Per uh, Zach Goodell of SI, he earned his first FBS scholarship offer from the Gators on June sixth, following a workout in front of Florida's coaching staff. And credit to Europe's Elite, it's a website scouting uh, players over in Europe. He played for another name. I'm gonna give a shot here. Uh, the Schwabish Hall unicorns which plays in the german football league and has made the title game aka the german bowl in each season since 2014 they didn't play in 2020 but they've been in each season since 2014 so pretty good team over there in germany he was on the national team in 2022 and he was a 2021 all-state selection over there 
uh, in Germany. Evaluation report from Europe's elite uh, possesses elite explosiveness on the line of scrimmage, more than capable of pulling the line uh, to affect outside the tackles. This guy, he can move. He's big. He's really got everything you want. And uh, I don't know if you saw the tape on Twitter there, that, that clip on Twitter of him uh, just you know, popping up to his feet from his back. That was pretty impressive. So the guy's certainly an athlete, under-the-radar player out of Germany and was the first recruit last week to get this thing going well. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see where um, where he ends up, right? As of right now, there is no rating on 24-7. Yeah. So you can't really put him in there in terms of how he's evaluated with other high school kids. At the same time, um, him being from Germany makes it difficult to evaluate him against other high school kids. Whether I, And I honestly don't know whether the competition over there is on par, better, worse. I'm going to guess it's worse. And so you're trying to evaluate somebody. I remember there was a guy for the Eagles a few years ago who, who they drafted and, you know, had almost no football experience, but had all the physical skills. Now he's starting on the offensive line. And we talked about this last week with Williams. Like there's a difference between a guy who's rated 1300 and a guy who has the physical skills and the foot quickness to play offensive tackle. Now, now this guy specifically, um, I'm going to call him Noel because I'm not going to be able to pronounce the last name either. Noel specifically is listed as an interior offensive lineman. But if you think about where Billy Napier and his staff have been effective at recruiting guys and effective at identifying talent, interior at guard obviously is one of those places where they have been effective at doing that. So, you know, look, I, I think I'm interested to see as more eyes get on the film where where Noel ends up rated because I don't think he's necessarily going to be like a five-star talent or something like that but does he end up in a place where he's like in the top 300 I think that's absolutely possible given the fact that there just hasn't been a lot of film out there on him and that you know he's getting his first offer but he's getting it from a major school the minute somebody has an opportunity to evaluate him in person Um, I think that says something about the raw athletic ability now the question is you take the raw athletic ability that's still somebody who's a project how do you how do you convert that project into somebody who's eventually going to be an NFL player, but out of all of the, out of all the staffs, I think Napier has proven that he has the ability to do that. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Next up, we have Amir Jackson who committed on Saturday afternoon. He's an athlete out of portal, Georgia, 6'4, 223 pounds. You look at his tape, he's bigger and stronger than every competitor on the field. He's not going to run away from anyone, not explosive speed there will, but really excellent leaping ability. It's almost looked like when he gets to high school kids, it's it's like what Kyle Pitts used to look like almost at Florida uh, compared to the size with the size comparison there. But he's about a head taller than everybody he's up against. He's tough to break down with the ball in his hands. Physical runner, uh, not going to make it easy for people to bring him down. And really kind of reminded me the way he would run with the football. It reminded me of Cornelius Ingram a little bit at that tight end position. Yeah, well, you know, we talked earlier when the episode started about stacking at tight end, and I think obviously Florida was disappointed when Walter Matthews out of Hiram, Georgia, decided to go to South Carolina or South Carolina, USC, Southern Cal, Trojans, uh, the the real USC, Um, (laughs) and and so obviously that that was disappointing, and and sure. Florida would have liked to have stacked guys there, but bringing in a guy like Jackson as a backup there, one says something about the staff because they had somebody in that, you know, somebody in that role. They already knew they had the backup plan and potentially we're going to bring in two guys who are in that top 100. You know, he's ranked 108th overall, like you said, 6'4", 223. And if you think about where Florida has recruited at the tight end position the last couple of years, it's been 
um, I don't want to say an afterthought, but it has not been one of the areas of strength. And so Jackson starts to bring the talent level in that room way, way up. This is right around where guys like Kyle Pitts were ranked when they came in. Of course, it's also where um, Kamari Gamble and uh, and Keon Zipper were as well. So these are guys who can be contributors or they can be stars or sometimes they can bust. And we'll just sort of have to see what happens with Amir Jackson. But I think one of the things is if you're not counting on relying on separation at the tight end position. And you, and you highlighted this in our preseason magazine where Billy Napier has not been somebody who's just been like letting it loose to the tight ends in his offensive, in his offensive personnel packages that he's using tight ends to get numbers advantages, but the ball's not necessarily always going to the tight end. And so Jackson will be a big part of that, especially if he can prove that he's a good blocker on the outside. And the more he's able to block, the more he's going to allow Florida to take advantage of the fact that he's able to do that. And just like every guy, it seems like who's on the roster, dude plays basketballs, right? So you think about guys like Antonio Gates at the tight end position where, and, and even right now, or you think about Kelsey with the Chiefs, like just being able to run five yards out, six yards out, box somebody out, catch the ball, make a guy miss, and all of a sudden you've gained 17 yards. Well, you know, yeah, is that explosive? Did you create separation? Not necessarily, but uh, it doesn't really matter on third and six. If you're able to gain nine yards when you box somebody out downfield, you just move, you just move the chains, and that's going to be a big part of what the tight ends are asked to do. Yeah, it's certainly – not a position that Napier goes to a ton, but maybe with guys like this on the roster, hard to ignore a player like Amir Jackson. Looks like he's going to be a solid contributor at that tight end position. Uh, Amaris Williams is up next. Will defensive lineman, six foot three, two hundred seventy pounds, going into Clinton, North Carolina. How many Florida residents we have so far? Will a lot of out of Not state. Not a whole lot. A lot of out of state this weekend, huh? Amaris Williams, six three, two seventy, defensive lineman out of Clinton, North Carolina. If you blink. He will be in the backfield making a play when you're watching the tape. This guy's quick, man. This guy's very explosive first step. Uh, wastes no time in getting upfield. Also, as a running back, it's a little surreal watching a guy that size run the ball as a running back. Will. Yeah, I mean six three two seventy. How would you like to be on? How would you like to be the high school linebacker on the other end of that? Um, no. no false steps either. Just gets the ball. Full speed straight ahead. <laughs> He's not wasting oh, time. Look, I mean, this is a guy who's got offers from Penn State, Tennessee, Auburn, and obviously Florida. Um, so big time guy. Like you mentioned, running back already, but getting into the backfield. Um, you know, just went on an official or hasn't I think he has an official visit to Tennessee this weekend. So we'll see whether he shuts that down after the commitment to Florida or whether he continues on. I suspect most people are going to continue on. Had the official visit with Florida this weekend and decides to commit. Um, so we'll see, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. Florida obviously has been stacking guys at defensive line the last two classes. That's an area where we've identified, I think everybody's identified, certainly Billy Napier's identified, was an area of weakness when he came in. Um, you know, it was basically Javon Dexter and that was it last year and Chris McClellan helped out a little bit and, and uh, you know, there were, you know, there were a couple of guys who were able to, who were able to help out, but it was really thin. And so bringing in guys like Kelby Collins last year, but now guys like Amaris Williams and then Nasir Johnson, who we'll talk about in a minute, like those are big additions and this is not a small guy, right? This is going to be an edge setting defensive lineman, not the 240 pound bucks that we've been recruiting over and over and over and over and over again, who haven't been able to stop a counter. And so, so you think about Florida's ability to stop a counter. I think it just got much, much better with the addition of Amaris Williams. Next up, Nasir Johnson, big fella, six, four and a half, 300 pounds out of Dublin, Georgia. One of my favorite things about watching him on tape, Will, 
it's not difficult to find ever. Sometimes the, the tape they'll identify. It's like, yeah, you don't need to identify this guy. Pretty easy to see who he is every single time he lines up. Plays a lot of offensive line too. He's, he lines up at guard. Uh, defensively, clogs up the middle while showing the ability to create a pass rush on the defensive line from that middle spot there. Will defensive tackle spot. He can really uh, put pressure uh, on the quarterback there. And on the offensive side, very athletic guard. He, he pulls, he gets the outside. Really a lot of that on this tape where something where even on a screen, he's getting wide out on the outside. This guy's quick for a man his size. Super athletic player out of Georgia. You're going up into dogs territory and pulling one down to Florida. I like it. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I think this is having a guy who can play both offense and defense shows that sort of athletic ability. And also I think that sort of explains why there's such a spread in his ranking. It was the same thing with, with Williams earlier. Like if you start looking at the 24 seven ranking versus the overall ranking, you start to see pretty large spreads in some of these guys, which really means that whether these guys turn out or not is probably going to have a lot to do with Napier and his staff's ability to evaluate these guys and understand that, Hey, is this guy really 191st? Or is he really 250? Cause 250 is a composite. It 191 is is the national ranking. You know, I'd say the same thing about Jamonte Waller at, at Edge. He was rated as a five star in 24 seven, but the 24 seven composite has him down in the 70s. So those are the types of guys Florida's getting offers from all over the place: Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Auburn, and Cincinnati. And then you factor in the not only is he playing offensive line, defensive line, he's also doing things like shot put and discus there at track. And and you know, look, guys who do multiple sports are clearly a place where Billy Napier wants wants these guys coming got an official visit coming up with Florida state this weekend, got him to commit on the official visit to Florida. Again, I think this is going to be interesting as we see these guys continue to go on these official visits, you know, Florida clearly was pushing for commits this weekend, clearly trying to get these guys over in their camp this weekend. And I think in some ways that's because they've seen some guys who said, yeah, yeah, I'll come here, but I'm not going to officially commit, go on official visits elsewhere. And all of a sudden you've got to be committing someplace else. They sort of put the line in the sand, got these guys to commit. And now, yeah, they may be going on these official visits elsewhere, but at least they're committed to Florida as they go in. Well, it's a good approach because Saturday night, it wasn't done. Aaron Childs, linebacker, six foot three, two hundred twenty pounds, out of only Maryland. This guy is fast, can cover sideline to sideline. He's comfortable playing off the edge. He handles himself well in the middle of the field or dropping back in coverage. Really seems to be comfortable at any point in the field. There, well, super aggressive player. Uh, makes tackling and space look easy. He's the perfect prototype linebacker you're looking for in this day and age with spread offenses. I actually think he's a, also a great fit. Uh, like we'll see with another player coming at the end of the show here. Uh, I think he's a great fit for what they're looking to do under Austin Armstrong. Well, look, 74 tackles, but 10 sacks last year at, at the linebacker position. Uh, only 210 pounds, so have to put on some weight. 220, I think, is what he's listed on 24 7. Mm. Played as 210 last year. So putting on weight, but you know, is he going to play at 225? Is he going to get up in that 235 range? Is he going to stay on the inside? Or are they going to have him on the outside using his speed to get to the edge? Those are all questions that uh, are going to be answered as, as we go. Um, you know, again, the the list of teams, Florida, Michigan, Alabama, Boston College, Cincinnati, whenever Alabama's after a linebacker, you know you're getting a good one. And then you factor in um, you know, you, you factor in again, we, we've already mentioned this is official visit season. He's going to Michigan next weekend. So Florida got him to commit before he went up to Michigan for his official visit. We'll see whether, whether he shuts it down or whether he just goes and has a good time or whether the commitment lasts through those official visits, but getting that down 
on paper where yes, I'm committed is a big deal. Cause like you said, often, you know, we think about all the flips and we think about all that stuff, but typically once you get in the fold, you you're in the fold. The interesting thing here is that Florida already has linebackers in the fold, right? You got a Darius Hayes, the 51st ranked player overall at linebacker out of Largo. You've got miles Graham, the legacy, um, Ernest Graham's son ranked 53rd overall from Atlanta, Georgia. And now you got Childs coming in from only Maryland ranked 80th overall. Like I said, stacking is something that you want to see in recruiting. Florida has stacked at the linebacker position here in this 2024 class. In one class, Will. You want to stacking well, over multiple classes typically. Well, about, as, about as well as you can at that position, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, look, the reality is is that all three of these guys probably aren't going to hit. One of these guys probably going to end up in the transfer portal at some point along the way. But the good news is, is that the guy who goes to the transfer portal, it's going to be because he lost his job to someone who's good. Right. And, and so instead of it being, oh, I went in the transfer portal because I'm unhappy with the coach, or I went in the transfer portal because I don't like the scheme, or I went in the transfer portal because the fans are yelling at me because our defense is terrible. Like now this will be, I went in the transfer portal because, you know, Miles Graham beat me out for middle linebacker and I want to go get experience someplace else. And I'm going to go play someplace really, really good when I transfer. And, and, you know, I hope all three of these guys play. I hope all three of them end up playing well. I'm not uh, I'm not naive enough to think that'll happen. But what I will say about Childs is this suggests he is not afraid of competition, right? That he's sitting there knowing these guys are in there. Like, the, you know, that Graham and Hayes, are their bullets already in the chamber. He's got to beat them. And, and Childs is willing to come and he's willing to compete and he wants to compete. And look, I think if you're, if you're going to be an NFL player and you're going to be in the SEC, you got to love that competition and you got to want that. But no one ever says this about Alabama and Georgia, right? right. Oh, yeah, that guy who's 80th yes. shouldn't come in and compete with everybody else. And the fact that that's starting to happen at Florida, I think, is a really, really positive sign, especially at a position that just has been a real struggle for Florida probably a decade now at this point. Yeah. Well, Billy Napier took a break on Sunday, maybe for Father's Day, maybe to give the Gators uh, baseball team some love in the College World Series. So we'll take a, a little break from the show right now to talk about the baseball team real quick. How many how, how many bullets were you sweating through that ninth inning last night? Well, I've been <laughs> nowhere near as many as Kevin O'Sullivan after he went out and pulled his closer accidentally because he <laughs> took too many visits to the mound. They kept they kept they kept panning over to him in the dugout. You're like, oh my god, Sully's gonna start crying or something over there, based on what was going on. But uh, um, look, I mean, they've been cardiac kids this game, right? I mean, they were way behind Virginia mm-hmm. coming into the eighth inning specifically. Then get the two home runs to tie it in the ninth, and then the sack fly to sack fly to win it, and then obviously holding on five to four yesterday against an Oral Roberts team that that has you know they've been Rasputin every time they fell behind. I actually was really rooting for them when they were playing Oregon because I think they lost the first one on a walk off. Then they won the second one on a, on a walk-off, and the third one was real close, too. So they've had a bunch of close games where they've had a bunch of come-from-behind wins. And so to be able to hold them off and, hey, now maybe they'll go uh, – maybe they'll go ta- waste their pitching on, on trying to get back through the bracket, having to take Florida out twice once they get through there. Look, Florida's in the Final Four, right? At this point, the Gator ba- baseball team's in the Final Four. And if you'd have told us at the beginning of the year that's where they were going to end up, you would have said, hey, that's a really good season. Obviously, we want more now. But, uh, but you know, not unusual for Florida Gator athletics to be playing for national championships. That is not an uncommon occurrence. And so, uh, you know, you and I obviously are football specific, but, uh, but it's good to see the Gators win. Yeah, I know. I use all my brain power toward football. The, uh, those were the first uh, couple Gator baseball games I'm watching in the season. I think I watched a few of the South Carolina, a couple innings here and there, but you won't hear much more baseball talk here. But if we're making a run in Omaha, I might as well mention it. So that was, that was good. That was a good win. Uh, Good two wins so far in Omaha, so let's hope the Gators keep it rolling. All right, Will, 
today. Uh, we're, we're recording here Monday night on Monday. Uh, Makai Boru out of Hampton, Georgia, 6'5", 390. 6'5", 390 along that defensive front, Will. And a man that big usually wouldn't earn a, such a nickname, but I couldn't help but thinking he looked like Desmond Watson's mini-me watching him play on tape. But much like Watson, he moves very well for his size. He gets around no problem. He's actively disrupting a lot of plays. And per uh, 24-7, 2022, as a junior, he totaled 43 tackles, seven for a loss, four sacks and three quarterback hits. Uh, that's pretty solid for a guy that size coming up the middle. Yeah, I mean, look. Look at his, look at the list of offers. Georgia, Auburn, Florida State, Florida. So right in that same path, we're starting to beat some of these teams who have, and for these recruits who have been really owning our lunch the last few years. It's not a coincidence, I don't think, that you mentioned all the out-of-state guys, and, and we'll – We'll talk about that in the future, about what that means, maybe even at the end of this episode, about what that means. But Fairburn, Georgia, going back up into Georgia, yeah. defensive lineman, 390 pounds. So, you know, I talked about <laughs> I talked about earlier about Amaris Williams setting the edge. This is a guy who's going to set the center, right? You got a guy who's going to be hopefully disruptive up front, but more than anything, demand double teams up front. And, you know, there was that there was that image going around a couple of years ago of Tennessee triple teaming Jervon Dexter and Florida not really being able to take advantage. This is a guy who should be able to demand double teams up the middle, specifically when the other teams start to run the ball. But what does that mean? Well, that means it frees up linebackers to come to come, you know, funneling towards the ball. And hey, we have these linebackers here who are going to be able to funnel towards the ball. So, um, you know, look, Florida's defense has been. um has been not so good for the past like four or five years is maybe a kind way of saying it. And it all starts up front. And so Boyru combined with Nasir Johnson, combined with Amaris Williams, combined with Jamonte Walker, Jamonte Waller, all of a sudden you're looking at guys up front and you're saying Florida's not going to get dominated up front. We're not going to have to, like, I'm not sure there was a more embarrassing game in the entire Florida escapade over the last four or five years than the game at LSU where it was just counter, 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 counter to the point where Todd Blackwoods was like giggling in the booth. He said, it's the same play over and over and over again. And in some cases, the linebackers needed to do a better job and fill that hole. But in some ways it's when you get blown off the ball, the linebackers don't have anything, you know, there's nothing they can do. They're just exposed. And, you know, the defensive line exposed the linebackers and the secondary way more, way more than they should have over the last two or three years. And I think guys like Boyery are going to be the, uh, the antidote to that. So very solid pickup for Florida, obviously a three-star 998th overall. So this isn't the guy that you expect to contribute like day one. At the same time, guy who comes in at 390 pounds, you probably figure, you know, there's probably 20, 30, 40 pounds that needs to be lost in order to be a truly effective two or three down player, a defensive line in the SEC. It gets hot in Gainesville. And so in order in order to be able to be out there for 40, 50 snaps a game, you're going to need to be down in that probably 330, 340, 350 range. But to have the 390 on there means he can, and with the athleticism means he can carry that kind of weight. And I'm excited to see what happens when he gets back into, when he gets into college playing shape and, and gets out there at defensive line. Good mix of body types along that defensive front so far that we're seeing. We're seeing those super big guys. We're seeing the the quick edge guys. A lot, a lot, a lot of good mix there uh, so far in this class. Marcus Maskell compete, uh, uh, commits on Monday as well. He's an offensive tackle, 6'4 and a half, 292 pounds. 
out of Snellville, Georgia, going up into the Peach State again, Will, a lean tackle prospect. Uh, but what he lacks in terms of size, I think he makes up with with his athleticism. He looks comfortable blocking and pass protection, really just sits in there nicely. And solid run blocker as well, really didn't have much of an issue on, on that as well. But he's going to have to bulk up in the SEC. Pretty pretty lean at the tackle spot, Will, but he's gonna he'll bulk up. I don't think that'll be a problem with his frame and another solid prospect out of the state of Georgia coming down to Florida next year. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at the scholarship offers, LSU, NC State, Appalachian State, Arkansas State, a little bit lower in terms of the offer list than some of the other guys out there. Um, at the same time, like you mentioned, the not necessarily the prototypical size, which means he's somebody who's going to be more of a developmental prospect. Now, you know, you, you chain him with Mike Williams, who came in last week, who's 6'7", 310. Now you got Maskell at 6'4", 292. I do think this is probably somebody who's a candidate to slide inside to guard. Right. He's much more of that guy who might end up moving inside to guard, you know, in some ways, because he's not that tall prototype um, tackle that Florida has taken over the past couple of years with Billy Napier in the fold, but also because that might be a way to get on the field a little bit earlier as well. Um, look, they're starting to snipe guys in the state of Georgia. Your your map for recruiting, you, you put together these recruiting maps really cool for the magazine this year. And Florida, a lot of the players were centralized in the state of Florida. There were a couple of guys up in the state of Georgia, but now you start looking at it. The map of this one, you know, you just start going down. There's more guys from outside of the state than inside of the state. Mm -hmm. There's Texas, Texas, Georgia, Mississippi, Maryland, Georgia, North Carolina, North Carolina yeah. Georgia. Mississippi, Georgia, 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 Maryland, Germany. Like there's only a couple of guys from the state of Florida, which in some ways is um, is positive because there should be some Floridians who start making their way to Gainesville pretty right. soon. And that's where I think you start talking about supplementing this. They've they've essentially secured their out-of-state commitments at this point. Now it's time to lock down the state. That's I have no issue. It, if you can flex your I, – I stressed that you got to take care of the state in here in Florida – as a way to get back, as a first step toward getting back to national relevance, right? To competing with Georgia, try to pick off players from Georgia so they're not coming down here getting all your players. I was stressing the in-state recruiting. I didn't think they could flex this their muscles like this nationally yet. Well, I know they had a couple guys here and there, but I thought it was gonna I thought it was gonna be a few guys here and there. I was not expecting what we just saw. They just went and flexed their muscles nationally here, and like you said. I don't know how many more players they're playing on out of, out of state here, but uh, in-state guys should be the ones filling in the rest of the class here. That would be good to see. Either way, though, if they go out of state and get more great ball players, who cares where they're coming from, though? So I, I, I like to see. Uh, I'd like to see this one though. Will Jamonte Jamonte Waller commits on Monday night here? Edge rusher, 6'2", 225 out of Picayune, Mississippi. And the first question I, I had when I saw this was, I wonder if Lane Kiffin's still enjoying that Tom Petty track. Man, I wonder if he's still listening to that Tom Petty. So if he uh, wants to keep tweeting out about the Gators, he'll he'll get the response from Gator Nation, I'm sure. But Billy Napier goes up into the Magnolia State and reels in the number one rated football player in Mississippi. Waller is a freaky athlete, Will, off the edge, super quick. I, I can't tell you how many clips I saw where he's tracking down a player on the other side of the field, just all over the field and should fit nicely in the Armstrong scheme as well. Definitely uh, has the athletic ability for it. He's listed as an edge will, but at 6'2", 225, 
that imagine he's going to be more of that hybrid, maybe even potentially sliding back to linebacker with that size. Well, so first off, you look at his offer list, Florida, Auburn, Penn State, Alabama, Arkansas are the five on that list. So that's that's pretty good company to hold. He's ranked 28th overall by 24-7 sports. He's 71st overall of the 24-7 sports composite. So somebody has him ranked pretty low um, somewhere along the way. So I think that's the Mississippi competition probably getting in there. People not necessarily knowing how to evaluate that. 24-7's Cooper Patania has him listed as Brandon Graham as the comp, the Philadelphia Eagles Mm. defensive end. So you start thinking about the kind kind of production that you might get from a guy like that. 106 tackles, 24 tackles for loss, and 11 and a half sacks. So that says two things to me. One is that he's able to rush the passer, but the other is that he's not just pinning his ears back and rushing the passer because mm-hmm. he's got an extra 12 and a half tackles for loss that are either getting the that are getting the running back in the backfield or a wide receiver in the backfield or something like that, which means he doesn't just zero in on the quarterback and go. He's got the instincts to be able to peel off when there's some misdirection or when there when there's handoffs and those sorts of things. So very, very positive addition for Florida, obviously, um, you know, sort of the jewel of the weekend, really, when you think about it in terms of uh, Waller being the highest ranked guy. But you, you start looking at where Florida has stuff stacked now. I mean, you got Lagway at 22nd, Phil Simi at 32nd. Hayes at 51st, Graham at 53rd, Waller at 71st, Aaron Childs at 80. You know, I mentioned that the 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 uh, nine top three hundred overall players right now, but that's six guys in the top one hundred. So you know, last year the criticism for the class actually, to be honest, wasn't the quality of the players. It was that they were missing the top end talent, the top tier talent. At this point, the top tier talent is here. You go look at the 24-7 sports rankings for the teams overall. One, it's nice because Florida's ranked third overall in the country right now, um, just in terms of the point totals. But the other thing is, is Georgia, three five stars. Michigan, zero. Florida, two. Ohio State, two. Then Notre Dame, zero. LSU, zero. Penn State, zero. Oregon, zero. Stanford, zero. Minnesota, zero. Clemson, two. So you start looking at the big boys of recruiting, and Florida's right there in terms of the number of five-star commits. They're right up at the top in terms of uh, in terms of overall point ranking. They're near the top when it comes to average player rating. They're still about a point and a half behind Georgia. Um, but, uh, you know, it's with 16 commits in the fold, given where they're at, I think Florida fans have to be really, really happy and certainly um, – you know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, this, this is a, this is a having Waller there is a big part of getting that accomplished. Yeah. And again, just, it keeps rolling. It keeps rolling. Love what we're seeing here. Uh, you gotta, you gotta think it's going to slow down at some point, but let's hope it doesn't. Let's no, hope it doesn't. no, don't slow down. <laughs> we'll put it this way. So last year, Florida's point total for 24 seven was 269, right? That's that's okay, but not a great recruiting class. Certainly not for a bump class. They're at 255 right now with 16 commits. Mm. So if they sign a full class with 25, they're going to blow past their point total, especially if it ends up with the same player rating they've got so far. There's an opportunity for this to be a special class. I think that's maybe the takeaway when you look at this holistically, is that I don't want people to sit here and go, oh, this proves Napier can recruit. Look, I think Napier has already been proving that he can recruit. The question is, can he recruit at the level of Georgia and Alabama? Because that's where you need to be. I think he's getting up on the bottom end of the Meyer range. And the question is going to be, can he push up beyond that? Meyer, look, 
Urban Meyer was a really good recruiter, but Nick Saban and, and Kirby Smart have recruited better than Meyer did back in the early 2000s. And so there's still some room to grow. There's an opportunity for this class, though, to grow in that way. And so that's my main takeaway from this is that the baseline for this class has been set in a really, really effective way. Now the question is going to be, okay, do we just maintain this and sort of go, hey, this was a big stepping stone, but we're not there yet? Or do you bring in two, three, four more five-star guys or borderline four-star, five-star guys and all of a sudden go, hey, we got 13 guys in the top in the top. 50 or the top 100 and all of a sudden you're looking at a class that looks like that A&M class from a couple of years ago or looks like a normal Alabama class or like a normal Georgia class and at that point irrespective of what happens on the field with a guy like DJ Lagway coming in, in fact one of the things that an unbelievable recruiting class would do is it will probably buy DJ Lagway a little bit of time right because if Florida has a, if Florida has a rough year this year and let's be honest the schedule's kind of rough and then the schedule in 2024 is just brutal no, i said i think it gets harder in 24 it doesn't get right. easier but the question but look if 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 this recruiting class was sort of meh then napier's entire entire tenure is going to rest on dj lagway and in some ways it does anyway and that's where the simmons that's where the simmons departure really does cause some problems is if lagway ends up getting injured or if lagway just doesn't turn out well now all of a sudden where where do you rest your laurels so there's some work to be done at the quarterback position but beyond that i think a a special class here buys a lot of time and a lot of the ability to say you know what dj lagway is not ready yet to start this year in 2024 we're going to give him some time to develop and grow along with all these other guys. And there's a longer range plan and we can all see it. Right. I mean, that, that was the thing. Like I live up here in Philly and people, people denigrate the process of bringing in Embiid and, and uh, they made some bad, some bad trades, obviously allowing Jason Tatum to go to the Celtics and those sorts of things. At the same time, the Sixers are more relevant than they've been in decades here with, with a special player like Joel Embiid. And so I think in many ways, it's sort of the same thing with college football is that, you know, the going through the the woods of, of some of these bad recruiting classes, because we're seeing the build means that we have hope. And so the hope then means that the on-field results matter, but they don't matter as much because we see the path. The reason the on-field results for Dan Mullen mattered so much is because there was no path. You looked at it, it was the same recruiting class year after year after year. It's not what we're seeing here, right? So all you can really ask from a staff is that they learn from their mistakes and that they start building beyond where they were current where they were originally and we've seen that from year one in the recruiting to year two in the recruiting to now year three in the recruiting we're seeing that build and this weekend was sort of a culmination of seeing that entire build and so i think that's a big reason why people should have hope coming out of this specific weekend um, obviously still work to be done but but great news for florida on the recruiting front obviously you mentioned the total amount of points in in last year's class both classes under Napier, 20, 20 high school guys, right? And we're at 16 already? I think it was 19 two years ago, which has actually been one of the main criticisms is, is that if you look at Georgia, they've almost signed almost an entire extra, extra recruiting class, class right. compared to Florida over the last what are they, years. Just for reference for people who don't follow it like us, what, what's Georgia signing? Uh, on a on a year to year basis, about twenty five to twenty eight, right yeah, in that somewhere range. in that range depends so, on the year, but yeah, yeah. So it really, an extra five to eight guys, you add that up over a couple classes there. That really is an ex- almost an extra class. So it's important to note. So not only are you getting the quality, but the quantity that 
Georgia and Alabama bring to the table. They they bring both to the table. You're bringing we we've harped on the fact that we've done a good job with quality the last couple of years. The quantity though has not been there, which has held those those class rankings back. And and now you're starting to see the quantity match the quality that you're looking for to get into the realm of the elite in terms of recruiting. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I'm not going to sugarcoat things. Georgia's at 19 commits, and their average player rating is 94.3, and they're at 292 points, which yeah. most years is a top three class if they just stopped recruiting right now, right? So it well, doesn't did stop. Alabama go anywhere after Georgia rose to the top, or are they still awesome? Like I, Alabama, like, Georgia's not going to go anywhere just because we rise up necessarily. They'll have no. to mess that up. But and Alabama's right there too. They've only got right. eight commits so far, but 94.37 for their overall recruiting right. class in terms of player rating. So no, they're not going anywhere. And that, and that's the thing, right? Is the SEC is like this and the SEC has been like this. If you look 15, 20 years ago, the SEC, Michigan could probably come down and, and put together just great recruiting classes from year to year. Ohio state obviously has built a significant pipeline. Notre Dame, the same thing. And, 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 the SEC was not just the dominant factor that it is in recruiting. Now the whole conference is in the top 25, except for maybe Vanderbilt and Missouri, but pretty much the entire conference is in the top 25. So like a top 15 class in the SEC still means you're seventh in the conference. Mm -hmm. So Florida has been sitting there in that fifth, sixth, seventh place in the conference. There's almost no way they end up there this year. They're going to end up third in the conference. I think at worst, because you look at LSU, they've got 18 commits. Their average player rating is 90.1. Michigan, 90.7. Ohio State, 93.2, which is kind of like that's kind of the thing I'm looking for. I'm not necessarily looking for Florida to compete with Georgia and Alabama. I'm looking to see if they can put together the same kind of class as Ohio State, right? Because if you can build to Ohio State's recruiting level, obviously we see the, we saw the Buckeyes last year. They can certainly compete with Georgia, at least on a on a on a one-time basis. But Penn State, 90.2, way below. Oregon, 90.4, way below. Um, Clemson, 91.6. So as of right now, Florida has a better recruiting class than Clemson. SC, 91.9. Florida has a better recruiting than them. Tennessee, 90.5, way better than them. South Carolina is actually at 92.3. Beamer ball. We'll see. That's probably going to tail off Beamer's a little bit. because he's. But he's doing pretty good work there. But here's the here's the other yeah, one I think. Beamer, pull it, don't, didn't they pull in a couple five-star kids? Not yet. They got the one O line. They've only got. uh, They're all listed as four stars here on twenty four seven. At least the composite. Oh, that tackle Uh, out of South Carolina is not a five star. I thought he was. So, so, so we'll look. It depends on. uh, You're talking about uh, Cam Pringle. Pringle. 52nd overall is, is what he's listed. Oh, wow. These things move up and down. A yeah, little he bit dropped too a little bit. Time, right? Yeah. Um, but the one that I think I want to highlight, and this is people have been giving me crap about it because a couple of weeks ago I said I'd much rather be Florida than Florida State. Florida State, 90.58, 11 commits. And this would be their best recruiting class under Norvell. So you start thinking about like Florida State is Florida under Dan Mullen, right? Norvell actually is a pretty decent coach. It looks like on the field but they're going to struggle to put together awesome class or awesome seasons unless they get transcendent seasons from the quarterback in Jordan Travis. So the minute Jordan Travis leaves, if they can't find a replacement, things are going to start to settle back in to where they're eight and four, seven and five, nine and three. And that's kind of where they're going to get stuck. And if Florida keeps recruiting like this, it's going to be very quickly. And this is one of the things that I'm, again, one of those markers, like I'm looking at, I'm looking at Ohio state from a recruiting perspective, but also one of the things you remember when Florida, um, when Florida, all of a sudden just owned Florida state during that urban Meyer era. And, you know, we never, like, we didn't think of like Florida state was a pretty good team during that era. They weren't 
terrible. Yeah, but, they're still winning eight to ten games during that but we, era, right? we, But we did not fear them, right? I still no. remember Tebow's last game in the swamp, the flashbulbs going off, mm-hmm. just absolutely demolished them. And there was no doubt walking into that game that Florida was winning that game. Mm-hmm. And five minutes in, you're like, oh, we're so much better. Like you just looked at it, you're like faster, stronger, blowing them off the line of scrimmage. Like even if Florida turned the ball over three or four times, I still think they win that game by 30. And those days have not been here for a while. Florida's won some games against Florida State, no doubt. Florida State's obviously had some down years too. But, um, you know, it's been those struggles, like the game they had a couple years ago where Anthony Richardson was leading Florida around on a bum knee, um, you know, and and it took a whiffed onside kick for Florida to win. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, the minute the team walks out on the field and rolls the ball out, you see the defensive line getting knocked back two yards. And that's coming. Like, honestly, that that is something where I think you start looking at these recruiting rankings and you go, that's coming. You, There's going to work we're, we're three years away from Florida having more talent than everybody but two guys on their schedule. And uh, it's been a long time since you could say that. You might not feel that pain in Tallahassee like you did in Gainesville, though, with the Dan Mullen type approach. Because who, who are they? What are they ranked in the conference right now with that 90 ranking? Is it maybe Clemson's ahead of them? Can't yeah, imagine I mean, they're trailing any other ACC. Might want to think twice about blowing up that ACC deal. It's a nice little setup out there. So I think Miami might be ahead of them. Maybe Miami. Yep. And then yep. Notre Dame is kind of a. Oh, is, but they don't. Kind of ACC they're league. not competing in the ACC, so we don't. We don't need to count them for the rank. But but the point is, Florida. You put it together a class like that. You're looking at seventh, sixth, seventh in the conference ACC. Uh, you still, if you put together a couple of the right transfers and and you got a quarterback playing at the right time. Maybe you feel good about your shot at Clemson this year. So it, it, it's a lot different formula, I think, at Florida State than it is Florida, but it's not a different formula to your point. To if you do break through and if you do make that run, you still got to see the dogs or the tide or somebody at some point if you want to go. Because Florida State, Florida State is the type of program that should be competing for on the national stage like, like a Florida. Like they should be up there doing that, and they're not going to be doing that with this formula. Well, and I think you make a really good point there about the ACC, but I think you also make I think you also bring something to the forefront, which is that the ACC at this point, because of its recruiting compared to the Big Ten and compared to the SEC, especially with the USC and UCLA moves to the Big Ten mm-hmm. and the Texas and the and the and the Oklahoma move to the SEC. Look, good for TCU making it the championship game last year. We saw what happens when a team Look. from the SEC is motivated <laughs> yeah. playing a team that's less talented. I and mean, that's just the reality, right? And look, I think Florida and TCU probably had similar levels of talent last year and Georgia whipped them both. <laughs> and the reality is, is that that's what you're looking at on a week to week basis in the SEC. Now it's cool because if you make it through that gauntlet, you should be favored to win the national title. Right. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's going to save you from potentially being the favorite, if you make it through that gauntlet is there might be another sec team on the other side of the bracket when, <laughs> when you end up with Georgia, Alabama, or whatever that game might be if if you got two of the final four teams. And the 12 team tournament's gonna to be interesting when it comes. You know, I, I think my first comment when that came out was, well, there's gonna be a lot of gnashing of teeth when four SEC teams play for the national championship in the final four there. But that's the reality. That's what we're gonna find. And and recruiting is cutthroat in college football in general, but it's especially cutthroat in the SEC because of the way the conference is built and because of the behemoths that are in there. So look, I mean 
it doesn't mean Ole Miss can't come up and snipe you every once in a while. It doesn't mean Mississippi State can't come up and snipe you every once in a while, even Auburn. But, look, Auburn's going to be better because Hugh Freeze is going to start to get that recruiting machine going I, too. So I like what um, they're going to be under Hugh Freeze. I think they're going to be something under him. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully he decides to use burner phones this time, so we don't have any. So, so he's there for a while. But uh, it's Auburn; they'll cover for him. <laughs> but uh, you know, look, I, I think uh, very, very positive things going on for Florida. Um, very, very positive things for Florida. Not just, and, and this is the thing: is last year you would have said it's positive, but it's not good enough. This year, I'm saying it's positive, and it might be good enough. And you know. We'll see. The might be part is the thing that I'm sort of waiting until September to make a call on. But but certainly an exciting, exciting weekend for Gator fans. And and we're going to win more games because of the guys who came in this weekend than we would have without them. So it's a big, big deal for Gator Nation. Well, one step at a time, you don't get to that point in September without a weekend like we just had this past weekend. So hopefully we keep it rolling on the trail. I, I'm, I'm liking what we're doing, man. It's a Great weekend to be a Gator, I'll tell you that, between the recruiting and the baseball. It was was awesome. So hopefully the baseball team keeps it rolling out in Omaha, can finish this thing off with the title. That would be fun to talk about next week. If if we win the title, we'll talk more Gator baseball next week. How about that, Will? For five minutes, and then hopefully we'll talk about the three other other commits. Maybe a little less than five minutes. I'm not going to promise five (laughs) minutes. We'll briefly mention Gator baseball if they end up winning the title, but I'll be watching. It's been fun to watch, so got to watch something in June. All right, great job on the recruiting trail for the Gators. Looking forward to seeing what's next for Billy Napier and company. In the meantime, have a great week, everybody, and go Gators. Hey, Will, jump the gun on finishing the show there. Got an update for the magazine real quick for the people out there. Yeah, we just put in our second print, um, so we're excited. We got we got a bunch of people to request um, more magazines. So those we just ordered them today. They should be in here in a couple of weeks. Um, be shipping them out late June. Hopefully they'll be there early July for everybody who already ordered them. Um, you still have time to get in. We ordered a few extras, and so you know they're going fast. And so I I wouldn't wait if if you want it, order it. We've only got a few extras, but we did order a few extras. So if you're still interested, you can get that over at readingreaction.com/mag. That's readingreaction.com/mag. Um, this is gonna be the last time. We're not gonna do another print. Mm-hmm. So only only probably fifty or sixty left, I think overall. Um, so if you want if you want to read that, seventy two pages, Gator only, specifically previewing the team. And to be honest, um, a lot of the stuff we've talked about the recruiting a lot of the stuff we've talked about um overall with scheme i think is still relevant you know you always worry about these magazines that you know two weeks after you print them that they're going to be uh going to be out of uh you know they're going to be out of relevance but i don't think that's the case here i think a lot of the stuff we wrote is is carrying through and important and i think people will be be smarter fans if they can get a hold of it so we appreciate everybody's support but wanted to make sure everybody knew that if you if you it's last chance last call if you want to get a, if you want to get a copy you can go get it over there at readingreaction.com slash mag and we've also been saying this too uh, any feedback that you might have, email Will Miles at will at readingreaction.com. Like we said, we use this example every time, but we use it because it's important. We're only doing the hard copy this year because we got so much feedback that people would like to have a hard copy. What else would you like to see? Tell us, and we'll try to do our best to work it in. And if it's uh, something that we like too, especially, we'll run with it next year too. So we appreciate all the support to this point. We are very grateful for this opportunity. It's still surreal, Will, that that this that we got this done this year. I, I really enjoyed uh making the magazine. Will I know Will did too. And and uh you know hopefully uh this becomes a little annual tradition here. So we appreciate the support from everybody and this time uh, I actually mean it for real here. Go Gators.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Stand Up and Holler. If you're interested in more information from me and Nick, you can go over to readandreaction.com. You can like and subscribe our YouTube channel here at Read and Reaction. Or you can go to patreon.com slash read and reaction to support us, get extra information, and we do ask anythings over there every once in a while as well. So check us out. Thanks for listening.